0: Welcome to the Strange Matters Podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss anything just outside the norm, ranging from the bizarre and unexplained, to the supernatural and paranormal, and everything in between. I'm your host today, Eric, joined by my fellow
1: co-host, Sean. Today we're going to be discussing a strange psychiatric phenomenon known as shared psychotic disorder, and a couple of very bizarre and disturbing cases that demonstrate this occurrence all too well. Now, shared psychosis, also known as the folly of two, is an exceptionally uncommon condition where the secondary case, a normal individual, starts to share the delusions of the primary case, or the individual who is psychotic or schizophrenic in the first place. So the delusions are induced in the second case, and usually disappear if the individuals are separated. Um, Just to give an example, if I am the primary case, uh, schizophrenic for example, and I start to believe that the government is talking to me through my TV in an effort to control my behaviors... And then my co-host, Eric, who would be the secondary case, who was near me at the time, all of a sudden started to believe the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. This is a very rare condition indeed. However, it, it is actually recognized by the DSM as an actual condition. And the DSM is basically the the diagnostic uh, manual for psychiatric disorders. That being said, it's nothing that... I have ever come across in my experience with psychiatric pharmacy.
1: All right, so I just gave a kind of brief overview example um, before with me and my co- co-host Eric. But the cases that we're going to be talking about in this episode are far more severe. So we're going to get started with our first story about the Erickson twins. So
0: before we get started, we would like to thank Cynthia for suggesting the story of the Erickson twins and the topic of shared psychosis for us to discuss. It's a very interesting topic, and it was really fun to research. So let's go ahead and get started with the story of the Erickson twins in the UK. So in May of 2008, a very strange incident occurred on the M6 motorway near Liverpool, England. Two twin sisters, known as Ursula and Sabina Erickson, were born in Switzerland in 1967. And in 2008, they experienced... uh, case of shared psychosis and this is an extremely rare and strange disorder that occurs when delusional beliefs are transferred between individuals and they can then act in bizarre and mysterious ways the two twins while riding a tour bus asked the driver to stop so that they could take a break as they were not feeling well the driver stopped and allowed them to get off however shortly thereafter left given that he was concerned about their suspicious behavior as they were clinging tightly to their bags and would not allow him to search the luggage for criminal paraphernalia. The manager of the service station where they had stopped was alerted to the behavior and made a phone call to the police as he too believed they were acting strangely. The police arrived and soon after allowed the twins to leave, believing that they were harmless. So Sean, I don't know how you would react to this situation if if you were the bus driver. I don't know if you thought you might be... Kind of suspicious about this hate behavior. I mean, it, it seems kind of kind of harmless to me, based uh, on what I read.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, they probably, I mean, if, especially if it's a tour bus, they probably see a whole lot of people. But it might be. I, I guess you just have to be there. I mean, if the guy was making a judgment call, if these two twins were acting, you know, very strange and were clutching their bags tightly and. Wouldn't let them be searched. I mean, it's it's up to him to make the call. If he felt unsafe or something and, and let them go, uh, I guess I don't have a problem with that. But it's it, I guess it's kind of hard for us to judge the situation.
0: Yeah, I agree. We don't have all the facts, but still, it just seems a little strange to me that they, they weren't allowed to get back on a motor bus. Um, but then again, this is the UK, and we do things differently here in the U.S., So anyways, after this incident, the twins began walking down the M6 motorway. They also eventually attempted to cross the motorway. And as you can imagine, this led to some serious mayhem and chaos to the fast vehicles that were moving up and down the M6 motorway. However, the twins actually managed to get to the central median with nothing more than minor injuries. So shortly thereafter, traffic control came onto the scene... tried to assist the women however once they arrived the sisters bolted across the road
1: yeah this is i mean the m6 is a very major busy uh motorway in the uk so i mean it's kind of hard to imagine that someone can make it across this road without being injured i guess they were kind of playing frogger or something kind of just dodging in between cars but i mean the car's going at that speed it is kind of hard to imagine that they didn't get just plowed over right there
0: yeah, this is, like Sean said, this is one of the busiest motorways in, in the entire United Kingdom, and it's, it's definitely bizarre behavior. People don't just cross this road. Um, it's extremely dangerous, and this, was, this happened in the middle of the day, so it actually so happens that Ursula made it across the road. However, Sabina got struck by an oncoming vehicle. And when the police arrived to take charge of the situation, a situation they thought would involve multiple fatalities, they were surprised as not only were the sisters both still alive and mobile, but when they confronted them, they again bolted across the road into traffic and this time each of them got struck. So the footage that can be seen on documentaries and YouTube shows um, shows Ursula running into oncoming traffic as one of the officers tries to hold her back by her jacket, and he actually pulls the jacket off of her as she struggles to get out into the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, as Eric was saying, you, you can look this up on YouTube. Luckily, there was a camera crew following the police on this day, so they did manage to get all this footage, and it's definitely bizarre seeing like the police try to talk to these women, and then all of a sudden they literally just both bolt into traffic and get hit by cars. It's pretty surreal. It was really strange to watch.
0: Ursula gets run over by a large semi-truck, which left both of her legs totally crushed, while Sabina stands there with her arms folded, looking quite unimpressed. I think that's what got to me the most, Sean, was just that Ursula had just gotten run over by a truck, and Sabina didn't even seem phased by it.
1: Yeah, it's like on the footage, you don't see um, Ursula, like the the moment of impact, but you kind of see her body get tumbled over by the wheels. Uh, but that that yeah. Then you just, I mean, as you see her bolt out, Sabina just kind of like Eric was saying, just stands there and just watches her go without really any emotion showing. So all the attention is sh- drawn to
0: Ursula, and then Sabina follows suit. It runs out into the road and gets smashed by the front of a sedan. Bounces off the windshield, leaving the windshield totally shattered and part of the metal frame bent. And then her body flies into the air. So Sabina is basically knocked unconscious for 15 minutes or so, and when she wakes up, she attacks the police officer, prompting her to be arrested. Ursula, on the other hand, was basically stuck because both of her legs were totally demolished and she couldn't move at all. She had, like, multiple compound fractures, bones sticking out of her legs. It it was pretty ugly, apparently.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what you would expect for someone who jumps in front of a truck like that. I mean, I'm surprised that she just didn't die instantly.
0: I was pretty shocked too, because like Sean said, you don't see the actual impact, but you see her body rolling underneath the tires of this semi truck. And I would have thought she would have been squished
1: flat. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a rag doll being thrown under those huge wheels. It's kind of disturbing to watch.
0: It it really is. Not only was she still alive, but she was cursing and spitting at the police and when i heard this i just thought they they were either possessed or they were on drugs
1: yeah one of my i don't want to say favorite but like one of the more memorable moments of the video is one of the sisters was um, like there's like five or six police trying to restrain her and she's like screaming out like call the police and then one was like we are the police but she doesn't calm down she's still going crazy so yeah i mean there's definitely something going on either mentally or Like you just said, like, high on some kind of drug or something. This is kind of the the thing you hear where guys get high on PCP and it takes, like, five policemen to wrestle them down. Exactly. And they were both offered medical treatment. However, despite their
0: injuries, they both objected strongly to this as they screamed and protested and, and kicked at the paramedics. They were described as having superhuman strength. Sabina, after waking up from her coma 15 minutes later scream disturbing statements such as they're going to steal your organs and other statements like that that would suggest that she was having some kind of a psychotic break then she just got up and bolted a- across traffic once again
1: yeah at this point the police were thinking that it was likely related to drugs and that they were high uh, however later they were tested and it came back negative Basically, I think anyone coming across two people willingly trying to throw themselves in front of traffic, that they would have to be on some kind of drugs, especially doing it multiple times.
0: Yeah, and she actually later, they finally managed to detain her. Um, It actually took six people to hold her down, but she was detained, questioned, and then eventually she was released as she was behaving more calmly when she finally got into police custody so maybe her she had kind of snapped out of her psychotic behavior for just a brief moment long enough for her to get released she basically pleaded guilty to trespassing and assaulting a police officer and ended up serving one night in jail and then the next day got to leave so glenn Hollins had met sabina on the street a couple days later and as they talked for a while, she came across pretty friendly, but she was still acting a little bizarrely. She asked where a bed and breakfast could be found so he she could find somewhere to sleep for the night. And he kind of took pity on her and invited her into his home. Um... That's what the story says. I don't, I'm not entirely convinced that he didn't have some sort of other intentions behind
1: inviting a woman into his home. Yeah. For the night. To my knowledge, they were complete strangers before they met. And it's just weird, even if you do feel sorry for this woman. Like you said, she was acting bizarre. And I just don't, personally, I don't see any way I would meet somebody randomly on the street. And then decide, you know, oh no, just come stay with me for a few nights. So, yeah, I get that. Definitely, definitely kind of odd.
0: It just seems to me like the media was trying to portray Glenn Holland's head, who could have been a great guy for all I know, but it seemed like they were trying to portray him as the innocent do gooder who met a dark end that I'm about to get into. So when they went back, she continued to act strangely, and Glenn had a friend over, and she offered them both cigarettes, and then as soon as they put them in her mouth, she snatched them out of their mouth, claiming that they were poisoned, and then she continued to act paranoid. She was, like, peeking out of windows and stuff like that. So if I had invited somebody, anybody, into my house, and they were acting like this, and they were a complete stranger, I would have kicked their butt to the curb. I don't know about you, Sean, but I I wouldn't have tolerated that. I would have been scared, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I doubt I would invite them in the first place. If somebody's acting that weird in my house, yeah, I would definitely try to either call the police or just get them out.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the next morning, had assisted Sabina in locating her sister by calling some of the local hospitals. Again, this seems like... Uh, the news media might be trying to portray him as this innocent, good Samaritan, and I think it, I just kind of think it introduces a new angle to the story that
1: maybe he had some darker intentions that he was trying to. I get your saying. I mean, I mean, it's you don't want to speak bad of this guy for what we're about to reveal happens to him, but either he's like the nicest guy in duplicity, or he did have some kind of ulterior motives in inviting this obviously mentally ill vulnerable woman into his home
0: at 7 40 p.m. he came outside to ask his neighbor for some tea bags because apparently that's what they do in the uk right he went back in and one minute later staggered back outside saying she stabbed me he had been stabbed five times with a kitchen knife immediately after this sabina fled the scene banging her head with a hammer. And when a man saw this behavior, he tried to stop her, so she pulls a tile out of her pocket and smashes him over the head with it. So a a chase ensues, and the story ends with her jumping off a 40-foot bridge onto a road where she's immobilized and arrested. And she had all kinds of broken bones after this incident, yeah. so...
1: This is an extremely odd just series of events. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you start with a woman who willingly threw herself into traffic multiple times and then gets pretty much just released a day or two later without any follow-up. Some random person invites them into their home even though they're acting strangely. He ends up getting stabbed, she attacks a neighbor, and then jumps off a bridge after a, a, a foot chase. It's just very... I haven't heard anything like it.
0: Yeah, so as a pharmacist that works in a hospital had a little bit of experience working with um, people with psychiatric disorders and I'd like to start off our discussion of possible explanations for this because there are a lot of them I'd like to start off with the with what I believe to be the most likely explanation and that's that the sisters were experiencing something we mentioned earlier called shared psychosis and This is an actual diagnosis, and I think what happened is one of the sisters has some sort of psychiatric disorder, whether it be schizophrenia or some sort of paranoid personality disorder, but what happens was, whichever sister it was, that one was the primary subject, and the secondary subject, who was healthy, developed these bizarre delusional behaviors in response to their sister's psychosis and that's when they kind of both snapped and started acting strangely and the whole story took place
1: yeah i mean this shared psychosis it is as we said at the beginning extremely rare there are only a few like legitimate cases of it but it definitely makes probably the most sense just that somehow like one of the twins had some kind of mental disorder and then somehow maybe because they are twins and they're so close that this shared psychosis just kind of spread the disease spread from one twin to the other and all of a sudden they it just got them both acting crazy.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the most likely explanation, but there are some other theories out there, one of which is that the sisters had a suicide pact. And that would explain part of the story in that their behavior appeared like they were trying to commit suicide by getting run over by a car But, I mean, there's a number of different issues with this theory. One of them being that it clearly didn't work very well, because for whatever reason, they were indestructible at this particular point in time. And also, it wouldn't explain that Sabita later went on to murder Glenn Holland's head. I just don't think this is a a likely explanation. I mean, it explains part of the story, but not the whole
1: thing. Yeah, I mean, just because earlier that day they were on a tour bus... And then, like, when they were let off on the M6 and then they decide to start throwing themselves in front of traffic, that doesn't sound like a suicide pact to me. It seems like they were had a relatively normal day, and then all of a sudden something happened. I mean, you figure someone has a suicide pact, then both you guys go to a bridge or something. Or, you know, you both buy a gun, you don't, you know, take a tour bus and then ask to be let off and then jump in front of right. traffic. And then once again, like you were saying, it doesn't it explain why once this their supposed suicide attempts failed, why they would continue to attack officers, and then later on when Sabino went on to attack multiple people. Yeah, exactly.
0: Another theory that a lot of the police officers immediately and instinctively assumed was that the women were under the influence of some sort of uh, illicit drugs. And this would make sense as well, given that they did have some seemingly superhuman strength, like Sean was saying, PCP, cocaine, can give people lots of energy, and it can make them do very strange things, but the kicker here is that both of them were tested for drugs later on, and their drug screens came back negative.
1: Yeah, so unless it was some kind of new synthetic drug that wasn't on their regular drug panel testing, I mean, that's the only thing I, I can think of of why... Of how they could still be under some kind of drug. That's influence. true. That's uh, true.
0: That's possible. That it could be some some sort of drug that wouldn't show up on a regular panel. Um, there's a couple of other stranger conspiracies out there. One is that um, this whole story was part of a police cover up for some sort of drug ring. And there's actually a book out there about this. This conspiracy runs pretty deep. Um, it it raised a number of questions. Um, why was the sister released so quickly after the M6 incident? I mean, it it seems like she was basically let out overnight, um, and she did, you know, attack police officers, and she was trespassing, but those were only charges, and she only spent one night in jail, so I agree this is kind of strange,
1: that's the part I just don't get. I don't see how police come onto this scene. You have a, two women t- attacking police officers and throwing themselves in front of traffic, not only endangering their own lives, but those of others, and you keep one of them overnight and then let her go. Mm-hmm. I just I just cannot see any way how that is standard procedure.
0: And then there's another large piece of evidence to support this police drug ring cover-up, and that's that the autopsy showed that Glenn was murdered with multiple weapons. However, most people believe that Sabina only had one weapon when she murdered the man. So I could see how um, maybe if there was another person on the scene that was the actual murderer – how Glenn could have been murdered, and then Sabina took off running. But, jeez, she was banging her head with a hammer
1: for Pete's sake. I was going to say, I mean, you said multiple weapons. I mean, she obviously had multiple weapons on her. I mean, she stabbed him with a knife. She had a hammer. She used a part of a tile to hit another exactly. guy. I mean, she could have just been picking up anything around her and attacking Glenn until he she, he finally fell over. So, I mean, just the fact that he, that he could have had signs of injury showing from multiple weapons. I mean, that could have been Sabina doing... just using multiple weapons herself. Right, exactly.
0: And then there's the final conspiracy that I'm not really into, but I figure I'd discuss it for the sake of being complete. Um, and that's that the Erickson sisters were lizard people. I don't think this is really based in any sort of fact. I honest, I'll be honest, I didn't do much research on this conspiracy, but there's some pictures floating around on the internet that show the sister's eyes kind of glowing strangely in one of the
1: recordings and
0: I think it's just um, I don't buy into it personally it's
1: just fancy camera work yeah I mean for the people who don't know like the lizard the reptilian people conspiracy is an actual pretty large one but it would probably take us a whole episode to get into it and as you were saying Eric I just I don't buy into I don't buy into that conspiracy in the first place but especially not in this case so like you said people mention it but I Don't buy into it at all.
0: So maybe maybe about episode 1000, when we've run out of all of our listener suggestions, maybe we'll do a Strange Matters special on the lizard people conspiracy. But until then, Ursula and Sabina have rarely been seen since the M6 incident. At this point, Sean, I think we'll uh, turn it over to you to tell your uh, story of shared psychosis.
1: Alright, so my story isn't quite as violent as the Erickson twins, but it is probably just as weird. So today I will be discussing the Gibbons twins. So just a quick overview, uh, June and Jennifer Gibbons were identical twins who lived in Wales. So as they grew up, these twins were quite famous for they would almost exclusively communicate only with each other. And they were popularly nicknamed by the media the Silent Twins. Now, these twins would go on to be committed to a high-security psychiatric hospital, where their strange behavior would only increase. And all of this weirdness pretty much comes to a climax when one of the twins suddenly and mysteriously died, allowing the other sister to live a relatively normal life afterwards.
0: Yeah, this is definitely a really interesting story. I agree. It's not as violent as the story of the Erickson sisters, but it's definitely a little bit eerier, I think.
1: Yeah, this is... Almost harder to explain than the Erickson twins, with all this just weird stuff going on in this, this story. So just to give a, a quick history, um, as they were growing up, so June and Jennifer Gibbons were twin sisters, and they were born on the island of Barbados. But soon after they were born, they were moved and they grew up in Wales in the United Kingdom. Now from a very young age, these sisters were pretty much nearly inseparable. And beyond just their natural strong bonds as twin sisters... June and Jennifer were also excluded heavily from their childish peers by being the only black children in their school. And growing up in a school and community where they could only rely on each other made them grow even closer together. And all the other kids or aides would just tease and bully them to the point where they would have to arrive and leave school at a different time than anybody else, just so there would be no further incidents of bullying. Pretty much from the start, they were pretty much isolated from their community in the first place, so they they were just... Pretty much inseparable from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I could see how this could potentially breed a couple
1: of strange individuals. So, as the Gibbon sisters were growing into adolescence, their language skills deteriorated poorly. Uh, or perhaps become more specialized is a better term because they were the, just the way that they spoke it, it was you know english but just the way that they would emphasize words or highlight different syllables it was very hard for anybody else besides them to understand it so whatever the fact is that before they were even teenagers the given sisters could only talk in a way that only their twin counterpart could comprehend
0: i know i've heard myself of twins siblings or significant others creating made-up terms or phrases that only they can understand, although obviously not to this extent. As bizarre as this is, imagine only being able to be understood by one other person in your life.
1: Yeah, and it is pretty hard to comprehend that you basically only have one person that you know that you can actually communicate with. Uh, So speaking of their semi-made-up language, their speaking pattern can be considered what is called cryptophagia. And this term basically is used to describe this kind of weird phenomenon where twins create a language that only the pair can understand. So beyond just their unique spoken language, things get even stranger for the twins. So apparently both June and Jennifer Gibbons would often simultaneously mirror each other's movements and actions, almost as if they were two bodies but being controlled by one mind.
0: Yeah, this really gave me chills to read. I got some strange images in my mind, especially after looking at pictures of the Gibbons sisters as young children. There, there's one image on the internet that's very popular of the two sisters sitting next to each other with these very sly looks on their face. And it's it's a little bit creepy, but when you picture the two girls doing these kind of strange movements, it, it raises the skin on the back of your arm. Um, but to me, this is the kind of stuff you would see in some kind of like spooky horror movie, like the shining where twin little girls move awkwardly and step in step while speaking in a strange
1: language. Yeah. It's definitely bizarre. Just, I mean, you hear all these uh, testimonies about people who dealt with these twins and just how awkward it was to be around them, how they would just move at the exact same time in exact same way and just speaking in this weird, chirpy language that no one could really comprehend. So uh, even though the two girls were pretty much isolated to each other, they did enjoy relatively normal hobbies, they liked to create plays that they would act out with their dolls, and they also began to improve their writing skills. Surprisingly enough, even though they were pretty much locked in their you know, their own little world with the two of them, both of them wrote several novels and short stories, and if you feel up to it, you can actually find these on the internet and read these novels t- today. The twins also kept detailed journals throughout their youth. And in these journals, they would often write about how they would felt trapped and tormented by the other sister, and sometimes even express wanting the other to die so that they could gain independence. A few times they even made attempts on each other's lives. Uh, Jennifer one time trying to strangle her sister, and once June tried dragging Jennifer into a, a nearby river and drowning her.
0: Pretty hard to imagine this kind of relationship, especially between two twin sisters. You know, you only have one other person in the world that you can talk to, and you share all your secrets with them, and you even have your own language, and you almost literally can't be separated from her, yet you also wish for her death and even try to kill kill her off.
1: Yeah, definitely bizarre. I mean, like, anytime these girls were separated, they would either just freak out or basically just become, like, lethargic. So it's like, these girls basically depended on each other exclusively but at the same time they hated that kind of prison they were in where they need they were relied on each other so much i could
0: see how this kind of conflicting behavior could be very tormenting to an individual it's like on one hand you love this person so much and on the other hand you just want them to go away so so badly that you're about to kill him it, it would torture me
1: yeah i mean th- i think this is pretty much the definition of a love-hate relationship These girls were not completely innocent, even though most of the time they were just locked away in their rooms doing their thing. Uh, They did carry out several crimes together, like burglary and arson. Um, Oftentimes they said just because they were bored, like they literally had nothing to do, so they would just come up with these crimes to do. So after they committed a couple of crimes, the two were actually committed to a psychiatric hospital, as they were considered to be psychopaths by the court. So, June and Jennifer would be sent to Broadmoor Hospital, one of the more infamous high-security psychiatric hospitals in the United Kingdom. And they would be kept there for the next 14 years of their lives. At the hospital, the sisters were kept on a variety of antipsychotic medicines. And as the years went on, the twins came to the agreement that eventually one of them would have to die in order for the other one to live a free life. And they kind of compared themselves to conjoined twins that... Even though they were two separate people, that they were still somehow mentally linked to each other and would not be able to live without the other. And just like the operation that separates conjoined twins often ends up with one of the twins dying, the Gibbon sisters pretty much knew that one of them would have to die for the other one to get out of this uniquely mental prison that they were stuck in. So during her time in the hospital, June herself wrote about her twins saying, This sister of mine, a dark shadow robbing me of sunlight, is my one and only torment. And likewise Jennifer wrote about her sister, saying, We have become fatal enemies in each other's eyes. I say to myself, can I get rid of my own shadow? Without my shadow, would I gain life, be free, or left to die? This is almost as hard to comprehend as the previous case, where you have these sisters who, for years, talk to nobody else beside each other, but then they're constantly feel the need that one of them has to die to free the other one so as is known now apparently jennifer took it upon herself to agree that she should be the one to die so that her sister june could move on and basically what happens is that the twins were being finally transferred to another more lower security clinic Um, and when they were put in the car jennifer collapsed against her sister and suddenly stopped responding and when they arrived at the new clinic, um Jennifer would be rushed to the hospital, but to no avail, she was pronounced deceased later that day, and the cause of death was uh and the cause of death was a supposedly a sudden inflammation of the heart. Now testing was done, but no cause could ever be found, so no traces of drug, poisons, or toxins were found in her system, supposedly she was relatively healthy at the hospital she was on this exact same medication as June, who, when they tested her, was perfectly healthy after this. So, just as was promised by their weird sacrificial pact, soon after Jennifer died, June left the mental facility, and within a few years, the woman who, for pretty much the majority of her life, communicated with only one other human being, is now living a pretty normal life. So, I mean, June is, she doesn't no longer need the constant psychiatric attention, and is... Pretty much living a, you know living well in her community. So I'd like to add that
0: cardiovascular side effects are not uncommon with many antipsychotic drugs. And a lot of them can actually lead to a sort of sudden cardiac death. But this is typically seen in like elderly patients and people who are on lots of other medications. And if this had been the cause, they would have pretty much definitively been able to figure it out.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I said, when they tested her sister, she was perfectly fine, and Jennifer, before her death, wasn't really showing any outwardly signs of having heart issues or anything. So that is the weird story. going to go over a couple theories as to what could possibly explain this mysterious death. Um, so the first theory is—actually, I haven't heard anyone— else come up with this, I just thought of this, was that Jennifer didn't actually die of natural causes by her own hand but that her sister June took it upon herself to make sure her sister died. As I said they've already made multiple attempts on each other's lives so perhaps this time June actually got it right. I haven't actually seen this theory stated anywhere else but just because if you listen to my previous episode I've been you know researching serial killers a whole lot so this kind of explanation came pretty quickly to me.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely a a reasonable explanation. I don't know exactly how she would have done it, but they seem to be fairly reasonably intelligent individuals who absolutely loathe each other.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they were called the the silent twin geniuses. I mean, they, they weren't geniuses, but their IQs were tested well above average, so they were definitely intelligent. So, as we were, just to continue this theory that June was just fed up being trapped in her relationship with her sister and finally decided to free herself and found a way to do it. Now, I've already discussed that the twins allegedly had a pact that one of them needed to die, and supposedly Jennifer decided that she would be the sacrifice. But, you know, perhaps she was either taking too long or changed her mind and she didn't want to die... And this pretty much forced June Gibbons to kill her sister and finally allow herself the chance to live a normal life free of her sister. As you were saying, I don't know how she could do it. Like I said, they did a you know, drug panel test on her. So I don't know unless June managed to somehow switch up her medicines or slip her something that wouldn't be caught in the testing. So I can't really explain how she did it, but some there's it's always possible that she did find a way.
0: I think you're ignoring a, a large piece of this puzzle, though, and that's that once Jennifer died, June went on to live a relatively normal life. And I can't possibly imagine that murdering somebody, especially your sister, would free you from sort of, some sort of psychiatric prison. Just a thought. Basically what I'm saying is this would probably, in my opinion, cause her psychiatric condition to spiral downward out of control and just deteriorate. So, I don't know. Who knows? It could have gone either way. Perhaps she's a complete sociopath and has no problem with killing people. She's definitely strange, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I said, she's definitely... I mean, both of them tried to kill their sister multiple times, so apparently they didn't have trouble... ...and attempting to do it. Uh, But yeah, I I guess it's hard to say. I mean, she already had... No one could really figure out what mental disorders that the twins were going through. So I guess it's hard to say how killing somebody would affect their minds... ...as opposed to how it would affect a normal person. So moving on to the most accepted theory... ...is that Jennifer, in fact, did decide that she should be the one to die... ...and made the decision to cause her own death somehow... So the more practical side to this idea is that she found some way to make herself die, some kind of poison or toxin or medicine that caused her heart to stop, and that in order to do this, she would have had to found something that wouldn't show up on the tox screens that were done you know, uh, during her autopsy. So that's the only weird part. You would think that if she did find some kind of medicine to overdose on, that they would be able to find it pretty easily.
0: This is as as likely as the other theory that they found some sort of toxin to kill them. I mean, whether she took it herself or whether the other sister gave it to her, I think the likelihood of finding a toxin like this, especially when you're locked up in a psychiatric institute, is fairly low.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, you would think that they would just say, like, okay, these are all the medicines that we have at this facility. Just do a test on this. but yeah definitely bizarre but it gets even stranger so the other side of this theory is even more weird and is that Jennifer was somehow able to literally will herself to death so I mean is it possible that Jennifer somehow able to convince herself that she needed to die to the point where her body just actually and literally shut down. I mean, you hear some cases where people die of, you know, a broken heart or some kind of thing where they just lose the will to live and they end up dying for no obvious physical reasons, really. And, I mean, this broken heart syndrome can be triggered by strong emotional stressful event, and knowing that you just decided to sacrifice yourself pretty much fits that definition. But, I mean, the problem with this is that the so-called broken heart syndrome isn't known to strike someone dead on the spot, but more of a slow and prolonged death. So that's an explanation, but it still doesn't really match what happens in this case.
0: I was going to say, I've heard of people, you know, like you said, dying of grief, and no real good medical explanation for it. But I don't know. I think our our options here are pretty limited. I think the concept of her dying of a broken heart is equally as unlikely as them finding some strange poison that doesn't show up on a tox screen. So I don't know. In my opinion, I think it's probably somewhere closer to the latter explanation. Just in my experience with medicine as a pharmacist, I don't know much medications that could cause this kind
1: of inflammation of the heart that you described and yeah and it, it, it wasn't like when they did the, the test on her it wasn't like anything of minor like her, there was like massive swelling around her heart. Exactly and, and not only that but they couldn't figure
0: out what happened so I think it's gotta be this uh, strange broken heart syndrome thing.
1: Yeah I mean who knows I mean this is the twins I mean the silent twins case is pretty much unique among themselves so it's could be entirely possible that whatever killed jennifer was entirely unique to just her also the other thing is that you know
0: these twins were extremely introspective almost in my opinion to the level of like a buddhist monk or something and buddhist monks have incredible willpower and they're able to do things that can't be explained so perhaps this is somewhere along the line perhaps they achieved some sort of zen enlightenment and they were she was literally able to will herself to death so i i think honestly that's equally as likely as the strange toxin theory
1: yeah i agree it's almost like the strangest theory you can think of but it almost makes the most sense out of all the things
0: So that was a very strange and interesting story you just shared with us, Sean. So I guess we're anxious to hear from our listeners about what you all think of this shared psychosis matter that's occurred in a few rare, strange cases. Um, So be sure to comment on this episode's comment box, and thanks for listening to our episode of Strange Matters Podcast.
1: If you'd like to reach us and send any feedback or suggestions or further discussion of what we've discussed in this episode, you can reach us at strange matters podcast at gmail.com. You can also comment, listen, and download our episodes at our website, strangematterspodcast.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter And if you're listening on iTunes, please take the time to write and review us. It helps promote the podcast and helps us gain more listeners. And finally, if you have a few free minutes and would like to help out the show, please take our listener survey, which you can find on a link to this episode on our website or on one of our social media feeds.
0: See you guys next time.
1: Take care.